0: Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the P.W. offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of P.W. Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com comics.
1: I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the Graphic Novels Review Editor of Publishers Weekly, as well as the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can see us on Twitter at, at P.W. Comics World.
2: And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons.
1: I'm the podcast
2: producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com.
0: And you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on social media. Uh, Make that Facebook social media. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Okay, this week on More to Come. The State of the Con, and we're talking about Flame Con, uh, Boston Comic Con, and Wizard World. Kirkman's new streaming pack. And retailers reject Marvel Legacy. So the state of the con.
1: Well, well you go we all went to Flame Con.
0: We sure did.
1: And separately. Yes.
0: And it, it's just as much fun this year as it's been in the past. This is the third Flame Con. Of those of you who may not know about it, it is an lgbtq focused a Comic Con, a comics festival, uh, in, in uh, downtown Boston. Boston. It's- downtown Brooklyn. That I'm getting lost in the B words. Um, uh, it's. I guess this is the second year that it's been at the Marriott. Great facility. Really easy to get to. Um, and I love the setup there. It's really well organized.
2: It feels like a really great small town con. Uh, well, small city con that was like perfectly run. Except the the small town... The small town is the LGBT community, <laughs> although other people are certainly welcome to visit. But yeah, no, I was there, and I definitely got the, oh, Kate, okay. I didn't know you liked comics <laughs> from, from people I had run into in other contexts there. Right. So yeah, small, small town.
1: Wow, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is really a third grade indie show for New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, it join, I would say it joins... Uh, the Mocha Festival and Comic Arts Brooklyn and FlameCon, uh, so we have yeah. three three seasons covered uh, with really great cons. Yeah. And uh, I was only there for a few hours; I wasn't able to be there much longer. But uh, you know, a lot of people are, have been talking about well, the evolution of the Comic Con, and FlameCon certainly is part of this whole Con 3.0 move
0: mm.
1: uh, or 4.0. We haven't decided which it is, but um, just as far as you know, it is targeted. But they are focused, you know. This yeah. is what, what a lot of people have been saying. Conventions are are moving to be, you know, more special interest. And yet, the special interest of FlameCon is incredibly inclusive and welcoming. Yeah, so absolutely. It, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it strikes that sweet spot between
2: just being a con for the sake of a con and being so incredibly niche that it's, it's very insular. And instead, it's like it has a mission. It sticks to its mission, but its mission is pretty broad, right? Yeah, right.
0: As- well, no, go on. Oh no, go, go on, go well, on. it's still a publishing focus show. I mean, I really think that that's cool, but it really is broad. I mean, there's a gamers lounge yeah. and. Um, you know, know costuming
1: the, is a huge oh, part of Flame Con. It's
3: Huge. I mean, and they
1: have a parade around the convention floor of the yeah. costumes, which is amazing. I wish more shows did that. I had yeah. pictures. So, so yeah. <laughs> much fun. Well, but they did it both days, right? Yeah. yeah they yeah, had. They had a. Uh, well, they might have done it every hour. I don't know. <laughs> it's they like had a, a thing that they. Well, did. you could
0: always find something, yeah. someone on the floor yeah. well, with the, a pretty elaborate costume.
2: This year, they solved their costume contest problem they had last year. Last year because they didn't they don't have i guess the hotel doesn't offer a particularly high stage to put their contestants on last year you could not see the contestants if you weren't in the first two rows yeah. this year they solved this by the simple expedient of telling everyone to sit down or stand against a wall. And suddenly,
1: the problem was solved. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, you know, FlameCon. You said it's well organized. I this show had the best signage I think I've ever yes. seen at a yes, small con. No. I mean, just brilliant yeah. signage. Even to the point where I, they I had like a, a a sandwich board with a map. That said, you are here on this. Yes. I mean, I have never seen such attention to detail. And I know that sounds stupid, but as it gets to when we when I talk about my Boston Comic-Con experiences, you will see that this can be a you very know, major thing. It's just like it makes you feel at home and welcome. And the only problem that I see with Con is that uh, it's very hard to get into the panels.
0: Yeah, that 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 is. I uh, I only went to one panel. And I went on Sunday. I I, I was there. Uh, I came there Saturday afternoon, and I came back really quickly on Sunday morning because I wanted to go to a panel.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wanted yeah. to sit
0: through at least one panel, and it it can be hard to get into these panels. The lines are long. Yeah. Um, and the rooms are obviously not terribly big either right i mean um, i think
1: that's the issue i mean they need bigger bigger rooms for their yeah. programming and but that of course would necessitate being at a new facility and, Which and would this, cost more money and this just seems like really like it, like it like i think last year i compared it to spx so that it's at a marriott and the room is very much decorated in the same way as the, yeah it as is the it, North Bethesda it's in the hotel ballroom yeah 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 <laughs> but um uh i think i i mean i don't know it could get bigger i i feel like
0: I think it's gonna get bigger. It's gonna get it is. The trick is how much it bigger. is, and
1: I'll tell you. Uh, they did have celebrity guests there this year. They had Robin Taylor Lord, who plays the Penguin. I, I oh, that's, that's right. Yes, they did. I, I forget. I forget his and name. Yes. he plays the Penguin on Gotham, yes. and uh, who is uh, the Penguin is portrayed. He's in this uh, same-sex relationship at this point, so it's very much on point. Uh, apparently, he was like an amazing guest that loved everybody yeah, yeah. loved, and yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I see this as. As really the way Comic-Cons spread out, they always grow and encompass more and more things. I see Flame Con being like the very modern iteration of this where it's going to grow and it's going to more and more people are going to want to be um, involved with it.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Did you – what did you see on the floor? Did well, anything leap out at you?
2: Well, I will say that I saw my least favorite booth back for another year Uh-oh. and just as stupid as ever <clears> – <throat> what's this <laughs> there is a online show called i kid you not giga Hose, which is meant <laughs> to be an x-rated science fiction thing and the booth is hilariously always deserted because i took pity on them last year and i dropped by and they're like oh does it have lgbt content and they're like oh well there's one where there's a guy doing two girls and i was <laughs> like that doesn't count and so then i tried them again this year And they were like, oh, well, last year after we talked to you, and this tells you how many times many people must have come to their booth that they remember me from last year, we realized that, of course, it is LGBT content because robots don't have a gender. And Uh, I was like, yeah, no, uh, how about about we not? Bye. So they were back again and still totally deserted again. And that stood out because all the other booths were very well targeted and very well loved, even the ones that were from... You know, small, local artists, up-and-comers, yes. and teeny little zines. They had plenty of people coming by, saying hi, checking out their art. Uh, and so it was rare to see something that out
1: of place, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean, I don't know whether the show is juried or how they, you know, if they run out of room for exhibitors. Or I, I, yeah, suspect I suspect not. Suspect not. I suspect not. There were some empty tables. There were. And there's also, like kind of tchotchkes you know like oh yeah yeah there, there is like, that. Cra- yeah. etsy type stuff which but, is fine well i will yeah. say that it was well targeted yes,
2: Etsy yes, type yeah, stuff because i recognize some of those vendors mm-hmm. from tumblr mm-hmm. but yeah. you know,
0: but, but um but kate
2: listen you must not do the negative thing yes that's the gotta be that something you, you, you love like and not <laughs> the love. ones that you did like well so. I'm, I'm i'm going to mention the ones that i did like i just saying that it's it struck me as how unusual it was yes that there was only really one booth that was like what are you doing here (laughs) i guess con edison got the memo the other year um pro tip people don't care about the power company okay um there were there was a wonderful mix just like in other years of of like people whose comics you've heard of who have come out from major publishers people who you know do superheroes from marvel and dc that's something that makes it quite different from the other indie cons is it's not indie is in like like we're indie look at us we're indie it's like we're independent as a convention we will take creators from wherever as long as they're open to the spirit of our show right and so there was a really nice mix of um just like small town like basically college students trying out their zines for the first time on a crowd and you know some some web comics i've never seen in person before showing up um kim fish of cavalcade of boys long a a person who you Mm -hmm. never actually saw at conventions because he wasn't really part of the comics qua comic scene he was more sort of i don't know he felt like he was part of like the dykes to watch out for generation kind of (laughs) right right Um, eminence
1: grise at this point he 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 decided
2: i guess because flame con was on his doorstep he decided to give it a shot and came and he really loved it and he was like you know
1: now i think i like comic con that's (laughs) funny because i saw tim in boston actually and because he was he lives in massachusetts and um you know we actually talked about you know doing those two very different shows so Yeah. yeah it was great to see him back Um, so it was,
2: it was, it was great. And I felt like even the tchotchkes were, knew their audience. Like they weren't just random crap. They came because they knew that this was the kind of con they'd want to come to and the kind of con their fans would want to come to. It Mm -hmm. really, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yes, dear listeners, that does mean that yes, a lot of these fan artists were the one doing the slash fan art (laughs) of your favorite characters. And yes, those were on display as well as original art.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean I you know, I, I saw people that I see at, you know, Mocha, um, and in a few others. Um uh Ngozi Nkazu, Ukazu was there. Uh, she had a plan. She yeah, had she's a, really on she the a table the, there. The,
1: the circuit now. Yeah, she absolutely. She was there and
0: the fans were loving her yeah. um, as well. Uh, I had a chance to actually meet for the first time uh, T. Franklin, who did the Bingo Love um, the Kickstarter, Kickstarter campaign yeah. and book. Uh, she, is a, she is an absolute a a delight. An incredible personality. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, um, she was on the panel. I'll tell you about the panel in a minute, but she was great. Uh, she's going to have some information to announce, some probably around New York Comic Con, uh, and I'm talking about a trade book deal for a bingo, lo- uh, bingo Love. Uh, if, if you don't know about it, it's her queer love story for uh, aging, two aging women lovers. Um, I'm a, I'm a supporter and got one of them. But she was delightful. Um, Amy Chu was there. Uh Amy Reed of Rocket Girl. Um uh a Rocket Girl co-creator was there. Um
1: Yeah, yeah. I you know, there's a lot of artists who have really uh I, I would just say kind of risen up through the scene, like Kevin Wada, Chris Anka, Trungles was there. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like put them all together Magdalene in my mind. Visaggio. Yes, Max Visaggio was there, um Vita Ayala, she wasn't set up but mm-hmm. she was walking around. Um, You know just really the freshest (laughs) I mean it was remarkable to me just how many writers about comics were there like there was a huge media presence and a lot of people that I haven't seen or met in person and um it was a really great reminder that a lot of times on twitter tempers flare and then when you meet people in real life they're all really super nice <laughs> <They're> nice people <laughs> so you know that's a good but i meet also some really strong voices and um yeah i can't it's just really a great show i'm i'm really i'm yeah. really glad we have it here in new york city
0: um, on Sunday I went to see uh, Telling Our Stories which is like uh, just a panel on storytelling in the LGBTQ community and uh, Margot Atwell of Kickstarter the uh, publishing and comics director from uh, Kickstarter was the moderator and it was T Franklin Kristen Russo which I've heard of but I don't know much about her she's just started I think she's gonna do I think she does is a prose writer and editor but she's gonna be doing a comic um, Basak Sum who I don't know much about but he um, does comics uh, around the trans lifestyle. Nicole Georges uh, uh, was there. Um, great panel. Uh, r- them talking about storytelling and comics mm-hmm. and their engagement with it and and the kind of stories that they're seeing out in this new world of LGBT acceptance. And, um, you know, it was just a great, fun place to, to go and hang out and talk comics for yeah. a couple hours.
2: And, okay, so I... As everyone else on this podcast, love FlameCon, and uh, I have sort of an on again, off again relationship with uh, Brooklyn Community Pride Center, the Brooklyn LGBT Center. Uh, I've done some volunteering there. I know some of the seniors. And so I was telling the staff about it, being like, hey, you know, it's a community thing. They were literally right down the street for years. They had no idea this con was going on. Oh. I was like, you know, it is literally in your backyard. Of course, <laughs> of course, now they've moved like a week before the con, but yeah. still. And so I was like, you know, you're a local LGBT organization. I'm pretty sure they'd give you tickets. And oh. they did. And not only did... Um, some of the youth program members go and some of the staff mm. members go but when i mentioned it in passing to some of the seniors they were like that sounds awesome <laughs> i want to go there <laughs> so the, a bunch of like not particularly fanish seniors who mm. are like just there because they thought it would be a cool gay event
1: in their neighborhood, yeah. when a cool gay event. Well,
0: it it's very cool and it's very gay. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: yes, and it's a very eventful. Uh, so le,
0: I, I, let me just mention very quickly, and this is going to have a sort of a connecting announcement too. So I should, uh-huh. But uh, I also stopped by the table of Massive uh, and issues, um, comics, yeah. good uh, design, apparel, book selling site. Um, you know, uh, obviously, it's all based around Baru, the Japanese um, uh, Barra. Bara, excuse me um uh, erotic comics uh uh but they're there but I also want to mention that Ann yashi uh has been nominated but is a one of PW star Watch oh, yes. nominees this Ann. year uh along with um um Josh O'Neill from Beehive books uh so they have been nominated so they are, have a chance to win a free trip to the Frankfurt Book Fair mm-hmm. so and there'll be a big party on September 6th early September yeah Go online and check Google. Don't go by me. I don't have it in front of me. But anyway, there's a big party, and they pick a winner, and the winner goes to Frankfurt. Uh, but they're all winners.
1: Yes, they because are. Because they're and, all and
0: our idea of it, imaginative publishers. And
2: Massive must be doing pretty well, because they were one of the sponsors for the convention.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. Massive seems to be doing massively well.
1: Yes, they seem to so, be So anyway, just yeah.
0: a, a quick announcement. Yeah.
1: Here. I, you know, just to tell though, I, I love the fact that there is such a range of material yeah. and expressions there between, you know, Bara, which is pretty hardcore – very hardcore yes. and very <laughs> sexualized. You know, That's it's pornography. And then, you know, so many different expressions of of what queer comics means, yeah. you know, and, and the anthologies that are coming out. I mean, there's so many on Kickstarter now with so many great creators, up-and-coming creators, and it's just wonderful to see all of this. It's, yeah. you know, comics. We love comics. Yeah. It makes you love comics, and then other yes. things make you not love comics. <laughs> right, uh, but-, but I
2: actually felt like this was not only... A break from the stressful things going on in the outside world that would stress out the LGBT community, but also a break from the stressful things in the comics community. I agree. It was just like a, a a island of happy positivity. it was no,
0: it, it was, and uh perfectly refreshing. Uh... Yeah. These days.
1: Well, it's good that, you know, now to go downhill a little mm. bit. Well, it's not so much. I mean, you know, you know I went, this is just, you guys uh, didn't go, but on a whim, I had decided to go to Boston Comic Con mm. for a day, which is now Boston Fan Expo. It's owned by Informa, which also owns uh, Fan Expo Canada, which is the third largest show in in uh, North America. Yeah. It's a, a huge show with over 100,000 people. Uh, they also now own Dallas Fan Expo. They own Megacon. And so, you know, this is one of the the big con entities out there. And I'd never been to one of their shows, and I'd never really been to Boston. So uh, on a whim, I just went up for the weekend. And it was very eye-opening, because I think that, that we're kind of sheltered in that we only go to Comic-Cons. <laughs> and, like, you know, this was Fan Expo, and... I would say, you know, everybody made such a big thing about Chuck Rosansky pulling out of Comic-Con. I would say there was only 12 dealers at this show. Maybe 12, like, if 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 that, like, who mm. sold back issues. And there was a whole big, big floor, you know? So, I mean, comics... So it's
0: not primarily about comics? It's not or... about comics. Yeah. I and,
1: mean, you know, everybody's, like, it was... Um, it's like a, um, like a street fair or a flea market. Mm. It's like every mm. five booths sell the same thing. You know, like cotton socks or... Except they have Spider-Man on them. And, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a huge area for the celebrities. And so I was talking to Amy Chu, actually. She's another road warrior who does all these. And she was saying that, that maybe 80% of the shows she goes to are like this. And uh I, it was just, it was very, really, I, I, I mean, I can't say that people weren't having a good time. But at the same time, it's like the signage was awful. Like nobody knew where to go. I don't know if I did, I was making like, like... um some facebook videos with uh xavier lancel was actually he's uh, a friend of tim fish actually and he writes the marvel sales chart for the beat so so we were hanging out and he was saying oh how do you come with me to the to the panel room and like we're just wandering through this facility for like about 10 minutes to get to the panels and uh okay. i don't know it's kind of it was uh it was eye- i i found it eye-opening but then i'm fascinated by con culture well, you know like this. it that the more I hear about it
2: the more I feel like there's a certain amount of devolving to the mean because this particular type of terrible comic con reminds me of the terrible comic cons there were in New York City before New York Comic Con came around
1: yes but I, I wouldn't I, I don't want to say it was a terrible show I mean, that's not what I'm saying. It wasn't about comics is what I'm saying. I mean, it was, yeah. it was like, like I said, people were having a The good people time. that were there, and they
0: then, were getting what they then, wanted. Great. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. know, then
1: people are like, oh, I met Stan Lee. And it's like, well, then they had this video up of Stan Lee. Like, when you get your photo up with Stan Lee, and you know, God bless him, his wife died. I mean, yeah. he looks pr- like his age, okay? And, like, he literally sits in a chair, and the people walk up behind him, they wave to the camera, and then they walk. It's like a procession. So I was joking with somebody there. I was like, you know, is Stan going to be like Lennon? I mean, when he dies, are they just going to take his, his <laughs> you know, mummified gonna... <laughs> corpse yeah. around? Yeah. And
0: people, Heidi, I mean, gross. Are they, they going to mount him on a I, wall? I, and... <laughs> I tell you,
1: it's, it's, I think he would be up for that, to be honest. I wouldn't. He would, that but if, it's still a bad idea. I know. I'm just saying, you know... Uh, uh, and you know, I asked, I ask, but I, I, I think, I guess what is of, I like, like who buys these prints? You know, I mean, everybody's always talking about the, the phony printmakers and Artist Alley. And I, uh, so this is my next thing. I'm going to set up a hidden camera across the, the way from one of these booths and see who buys them because, like, well, how do they make well, so much money? I, I think what? I know. Yeah. I think
2: I know. It's people who like comics, but are not very educated in them, who are mistaking real prints for phony prints for real prints. Like I, myself at Comic-Cons prefer to buy prints because there's a limit to my budget for buying stuff. And as long as it's a legit print from someone who did it, that's fine. But if you don't really know your comics artists and you haven't seen that popular image that everyone else has seen a hundred million times, you're just like, oh, that's great. And you buy it. Because you don't you don't know the product, you don't know the Mm. names of any creators, and you just sort of look around for art that looks pretty to you.
1: Some people have terrible taste.
0: That is true. That is (laughs) undoubtedly
4: true. Yes,
0: that is not a question. Seems a little odd for me, but uh, yeah, I guess that's what people like. But I I mean, I was a shock when we went to AwesomeCon last year that the amount of money. And I knew this, but until I saw it, it was sort of shocking that people were paying to get these photos with mm-hmm. these celebrities. Oh,
1: right. So, yeah, because was it this year you went to Austin uh, No, it was last year. Yeah, last right. year I oh, went that's to right. And yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I
0: knew this went on, mm-hmm. but it's not until you see a line right. that just snaking to the back of the hall of people not only have paid money, but are waiting for hours yeah. to get the photo. Well, that's
1: bad. Like last year at Oscarcon, they should not have been waiting that long. But but I this is, this is what I'm saying. I think it's really interesting for people like us who are, you know really comic-con veterans but when you go to one of these other shows like you know we have a, oh they suck kind of attitude but I, <laughs> and i mean for us they do but i i think for me yeah. <laughs> it's really instructive to see the passion yeah. that people and the costumes at boston i will say the costumes were off the charts like the cosplay there there is a very strong mm-hmm. fan base for whatever this is well, at well, boston I, I will say that boston
2: has a very strong science fiction subculture yes, that's right And this is a few months away from their other major cons, so there's nothing to compete with it. So These are costumers who are normally used to things like Aresia, Mm -hmm. but you know, they want the chance to take their costumes out of the closet again, so they break it out. For Boston Comic Con, even if Boston Comic Con is what? maybe not
1: the world's greatest, what, what do con. the
0: comics people say? I mean, do they make sales? Or, I mean, some of them
1: do yeah. fantastic. You know, yeah. I, I ran into Rob Liefeld, and he was saying it was one of the best shows of the year. You know, but, and, uh, most you most people I talked to said, you know, <laughs> there's there was a very a lot of things about the way the show that was set up that were very strange that. Um, I don't even know if I could say them unless a photo would be so much easier. But but it's like they had all the like Artist Alley. They had all the guests in a ring around Artist Alley, and then so they had this kind of little tunnel that had carpet and then pipe and drape. So like all the tables were around this this exterior thing. But there also was like sunlight coming in, so that all the tables that were on one side of this were kind of in the shade. <laughs> so that sounds really dumb. It sounds – it was there was all these issues well, that were hmm. that were wrong, <laughs> and people who were on that outer perimeter who were guests, they all did pretty good. Okay. People in the artist alley. It was a very low quality artist alley, and that the height restrictions had not been paid attention to. So it had like these. I've been predicting this. I kept saying it looked like a favela because it was like these like 15 foot high walls of the crappy prints, and then maybe there'd be like one good person in there. It was very strange. <laughs> it was very strange, and people in the favela didn't do well. Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, there so, you go. So Anyway,
1: listen, it well, was a little eye opening, but um, speed. But listen, Boston's strong. You know, Boston's yeah, a great town. Okay. You know, even as a New Yorker, we're not supposed to like Boston, but it is a great town. Um, uh, just quickly while we're talking about crappy cons, uh, so Wizard Me- Wizard World uh, seems <laughs> I was to for segue. right for uh, a yeah, mighty well, yeah, I know. Uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> so their numbers. You know, ICV two just had a report on the yeah. news SEC filings, and basically they're um profits went like last quarter they made four hundred thousand dollars. This year this quarter they lost two million. Uh the numbers two, were pretty sad. Yeah, the numbers were awful. And they're trying to rebrand. And you know, just to tie this all together, um, you know, we're hell bent for New York Comic Con right now. Um and it is and, like two months away. Yes, it is two months away. But, uh, you know, it's like there's these super cons, New San Diego, New York, and Fan Expo, uh, Canada. And, you know, Informa obviously is a big player in the scene. Uh, Read Pop is a big player in the scene. And there's all these other little players. And, you know, Wizard World is really in danger of uh, these shows are very much endangered right now. They're trying to launch a publishing arm, but... And, and I asked, I, I'm on this message board for people who who are vendors at shows and I said why don't people like wizard because again I'm like maybe you know I'm prejudiced or something and they're like well they charge too much for tables they charge like if you wanted to get a, a fan experience with with Stanley and a VIP ticket at one of their shows it would be like i like a VIP tickets $800 what I'm, makes it good like why would you who pay buys that? these tickets well, apparently fewer and fewer people because I, I, they lost so much
0: money. I mean, that's what I understand. I mean the Wizard World brand seems to have taken such a battering over the last five to ten years, I'm I'm just startled that if that there's it's there's even a lifeline left.
1: Well if you Sorry, Kate. Go on. You go, then I'll go. No, I was just going to say, if you go to the Boston Comic-Con, I mean, they were lined up. There was a huge line to get in. I mean, this show did very well. So there's gold in them, there are hills. All right. Even them are not the best
2: Comic-Con hills. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think part of it is, and this is, I I meant it when I said how the mighty are fallen, because this is kind of sad for me. I remember when I was in college that Wizard World Philadelphia was a pretty good. That was con. a great show. It was in a
0: good Philly. show, a which is what I always show. heard. Yep. Yeah, and I, then I always heard the Ch- the Chicago show. Yeah, one Ch- by, time by all was accounts, Wizard show. World
2: Chicago was a great show. It was like the I second never went, biggest but. of the show. I mean, it's in Chicago, you yeah. have to kind of be in the area. But um, and then I went to Wizard World Philly again a couple years ago, and it was just a sh- a shadow of its former self. It was sad, and I think it's because. Wizard World's biggest selling point for a long time was that they were large and they were a (laughs) Comic-Con. But now, guess what? Other people are doing large Comic-Cons, too. And they don't seem to have stepped up their game or come up with something to make themselves stand out or be especially good or special. They're just like, well, we're a con. And, you know, I think these days the market is educated enough and there's enough competition that you need something more than just well i'm a con Mm -hmm, in order to get people to come
1: yeah and i mean i think there's there's so much competition too i mean you know eight hundred dollars to get a picture with stan lee i mean that's good guy. you know i mean maybe not stan because you know he's stan but i mean you know doctor who there's like 14 of them
0: (laughs) And I also yeah well that's the other (laughs) Uh, well I also think I mean it's it's interesting that as we as we've seen uh, the growth of the comics arts festivals and and even the mega cons which continue to have a lot of comics content absolutely you know San Diego New York Mm. uh, still there is resistance among both uh, artists and some fans about just the overwhelming nature of these mega shows and uh, and the inability to get tickets so these smaller shows have, have have grown but also i think because there's still a great thirst well, for publishing well i was publishing cons i
1: was told that probably about half the people at boston were actually from new york and mm. i think the idea is that um you know there aren't that many big summer shows on the east coast yeah. and this looks like you know it is definitely a growing show yeah. uh i there was dc mm. was there in some potential and so I mean, there's a huge audience, and I, I, you know, it's so hard. You know, you can still get a Thursday ticket to New York Comic Con, by the way, if you want to go, you can get it yeah. by Thursday oh, ticket. But great. it's just so hard to get yeah, it. Yeah, hard to get it. Yeah. like people are like, oh, why not just take this sure. four-hour drive and go to this other show that has a really good. I mean, they had a very strong celebrity get lineup. Yeah, no right. question about it. Uh, yeah, you know, they yeah. had a good Doc- Doctor Who and a, mm-hmm. you know, some other people. <laughs> But, but yeah, I, I just, it's fascinating. It is fascinating to me. And I will say, you know, we all uh, rag on New York Comic Con constantly. I don't. Um, well, you don't, but we do say it's not about comics or it's got all this other stuff. Let me tell you, after going to this fan expo, uh, a New York Comic Con <laughs> is like all comics.
0: <laughs> yeah, That's all I'll say. Huh? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, Robert oh, you- Kirkman in the news.
2: Speaking of someone who has lots of people from his properties at Comic Con, yes,
1: exactly. Oh, so <laughs> many Walking well, you, Dead guests. You when know, do they have time to we, be on TV? I know. Well, you know, we have we, uh, we we didn't really make that much of it, but this is the first time we've all been together in more than a month.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we've been on the road. We've road all warriors. Been to, yeah,
1: ro- or on or, vacation. Yeah. So um last time, Kate and I, we talked about Mark Miller and his deal with Netflix, which I was uh, in the Rockaways. Yes, which in the <laughs> ensuing weeks has really become yes. like. Kind of a thing.
0: Well, yes, because there's so much movement, obviously, around um, content Yes. harvesting uh, by these uh, by the streaming services.
1: Right,
2: and of course, part of what made it such a thing is that Disney is slowly pulling out of Netflix.
0: Yeah, so it seems. Yeah, I mean, they seem well, to be said they are. They, yeah. Well, they seem to be pulling certain properties, and other properties are probably likely to come down the road. I mean, they don't seem to be actually pulling We're the superhero right they're, they're stuff. They're
1: slowly yeah, slowly pulling out, but are yeah. not all yeah. out. Well, yeah. well, you know, well, basically. Netflix has very sur- sur- surreptitiously snuck up on all the studios and become the biggest studio of them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and At least know, television. Studio. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, you know, this is Disney's kind of preemptive. I mean, most of the trades have been pointing out this is kind of Disney's preemptive strike to say, "Oh, Netflix, you know, we we are not in you," and. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, but but how are they going to do it? I mean, you know, launching a new streaming service is not all that that easy. But but however, what what we were saying, uh, what brought up this topic is that right after they announced the Mark Miller Netflix deal, which, by the way, the Hollywood Reporter just reported this week, that probably was between thirty five and fifty million dollars uh for our scottish friend uh no wonder he's you mean
0: for him yes and him 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 alone Mm -hmm. and
1: and he had to buy out his partners Mm -hmm. uh, all the artists so they might have all gotten like a million Mm -hmm. dollars or so each Uh but uh anyway so right after this was announced uh, Amazon announced that they were Pacting with Robert Kirkman mm-hmm. And then everybody was like well what about AMC What about The Walking Dead on AMC And then uh, like the next day He was suing, yeah. AMC. Yeah. He was suing yeah. AMC Because he was saying That um,
2: AMC Was taking Unfair advantage and Contract making advantage of their Vertical integration that You know his contract said That when AMC Content was going to be put somewhere else like streaming or whatever but then there would be a licensing fee but amc was like well if we put it on something amc related that isn't the amc channel uh, why should we pay licensing to ourselves? And he was like, me. You should pay licensing to me. I don't care if you pay it to yourself.
0: And some of the stuff I was reading was that uh, uh, the, the contract supposedly says if you do sell it to an in-house development, that there should be fair market value. They don't feel like they're getting that. What's it yeah. called? Self-dealing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so it's a very interesting state of the affairs. Yeah, well, uh,
1: it, is, it is similar to the lawsuit that Frank Darabont yeah, um, right. Mhm. Yes. and ha- that has been ongoing and no decision has been reached in that yeah. one. You know, that one went to trial. So, uh and obviously Darabot Bot uh, was not cozy-wozy with Robert Kirkman, but now the Kirkman crew has made a file pretty much yeah. over the same issues.
2: Well, even if they don't like each other, they may still think the other person has a point.
0: So, I, now what I want to get straight now, it's Kirkman and Skybound mm-hmm. his yeah. His, yeah. Skybound. his image imprint, uh they're going to they they're they're going to Amazon. Yes. Uh, they're going to be creating new properties. Yes. Uh, I assume, at least some of them, out of Skybound Comics properties. Yes. Uh, and then uh, Walking Dead will remain to whatever extent it can at AMC. I mean, isn't it winding down? It is. Or it part is winding it? down. Yeah. Like,
1: I, I do think, you know, the ratings are down this season for the uh-huh. first time. And uh, Well, all shows must end eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But it's obviously a
0: still a huge moneymaker. So this is just a very interesting state of affairs. Every kind of big Streaming media company has to have its own comic book house. Well, it does,
1: and uh, you know Hulu is left hasn't signed a it yet, so uh, Hulu get on it. Uh, you know, somebody, this is Heidi's, so this is free, everyone, just totally run with it. I want no residuals. Somebody should pact with Grant Morrison.
0: Here, yeah, the guy think.
1: has a gigantic portfolio of material. This is uh, you I, well, know, yeah, just do you it. Would think. I and he's charming. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I have to say that given the. I mean, even compared to Millar, and that's saying a lot, even compared to Millar, the rampant insanity of the Grant Morrison back catalog, uh, especially the ones not involving things licensed to other people, sort of makes me wonder how televisable (laughs) most
4: of it would be.
0: Well, that is interesting. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, uh, Mark Miller has kind of proven that he can make an impact on the movie. Yeah on the movie thing. I mean, uh, um, he's got, what has he got? 18 properties or something there. A mm-hmm. uh, couple well, of them have already been well, made in the film. N- well,
1: I, I, as we pointed out last time, there is uh, no films based on Mark Miller content have been badly reviewed yeah. even except for Kick-Ass 2, which, as yeah, I said, it, I wasn't th- it wasn't that bad, but it was. But Kick-Ass one, 1 was an yes. awesome movie. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and But I would say the two things that Mark very cleverly takes the most credit for, and he should, is Logan and uh Captain America mm, yeah. Civil War both yeah, sure. of which are based As on he books should. both yeah. of which are based on books he wrote so you know the guy's got a pedigree now will ideas like Huck or Jupiter's Legacy or all these other like dozen books can anyone Empress. else name one which one Empress would be amazing okay there you go yeah.
2: Empress is actually good i was like how did like why don't you write like this more often <laughs> because he he turned off the um violent hey i just learned a curse word little boy part of his head and turned on the i really love like space movies little boy uh, part right, of his head right
1: right right, yeah so i'm um, you know kirkman hey listen uh who watches um Outcast?
0: I've got, I've got the book. <laughs>
1: we got blank stares and Yeah, uh, not so, me. So, you know, that has not made much of an impact on Cinemax, let's put it that yeah. way. Uh, so I think a hit for, I mean, obviously he's a huge name and signing with him is great. Uh, I, I, it would be great if Skybound had another hit. And uh, obviously Amazon will be 100% behind it because they're investing in Skybound. So. Well, Although,
0: he, you know, one of the things we've been able to see in this area is the ability of some studios to turn really not the most popular yep. series into mm-hmm. yes. it, so we'll see but Kingsman. I want to throw one more uh, thing out here uh what's very interesting okay it's very interesting that these media companies are you know grabbing at you know comic book companies to looking for content but what this is also complicating on the consumer side how you get your streaming media now instead of going to one-stop shopping and having a whole bunch of different shows some of your favorite shows are going to be spread off. Behind walled streaming gardens. Mm -hmm. Whether you, you know, whether your shows, whether you're, you know, you something you want is on AMC or if it's on Amazon or is it on Netflix? Are you going to pay monthly fees for all of these things? Well,
1: but besides the insane uh, price gouging of my Spectrum cable company, which is now (laughs) charging me two hundred dollars a month for my cable, which is ridiculous, I have to. But you know, you have to call them about ten times before they'll finally like bring it down so i'm threatening
0: to cut the course yes they'll, they'll, i am
1: which i am in the process of doing <laughs> but it's not like price a bit. like you can anyway so 200 dollars, and then of course i have to have amazon prime because i got to get all my stuff delivered the next day sure when i get order shoes i need the shoes and um of course i have hulu and of course i have wwe network because i love wrestling sorta i have a love-hate relationship so anyway so <laughs> now i'm up to about 250 dollars and uh, I am, do want to cut the cord, which is possible now because the Mets are so bad. So that's the only thing keeping me on cable right now. Well, you know, I, I the thing keeping me
2: from, like, ignoring the fact that there is such a thing as cable is that at the moment, the technology is not always there for, like, a nice, clear stream. Oh, have
1: you tried any of the... Okay, you know, Disney's. I forget the name of the of the platform that Disney's partnering with, but they do both MLB.com and WWE.com, and those are really... Well, I'm not saying that yeah. none of them can't. I'm saying that, like, not all of them are quite up to speed,
2: especially, like, for example, my parents have fallen in love with their Amazon Fire Stick, and they really enjoy <laughs> it a lot. Uh, I, oh, I, best Christmas present there ever. There goes
0: the neighborhood (laughs) yeah and so
2: like you have two people in their late 60s who are like eh, moderately tech knowledgeable not not super super up on it who are like they're tech friendly they're tech friendly but not particularly tech educated and um they're like, yeah, you know, if it weren't if it weren't for the fact that sometimes the signal goes wobbly, and you know, in the middle of an Amazon episode, and you have to wait forever for it to stream. Maybe we just wouldn't have cable anymore. So, you know, I think in a few years, when when I don't know, compression gets better or signal gets stronger, I I, I think a lot of people are going to cut
1: the cord. Absolutely. I mean, we're going through a big paradigm shift, and you know, when I was I was home, uh, uh. For, I was on vacation, I went home, and my parents are, I uh, can't even describe their relationship to tech, but, um, like, one is incredibly tech-savvy and one is tech-oblivious, but, uh, you know, my mom and I, we were watching, I was watching the Mets game, uh, streaming on the TV, and then my mom and I were both playing Diablo, and that was a huge drain on mm. our Wi-Fi, so don't do all those three things at once. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> all right, well... <laughs> But what they don't want you to do But
2: I am totally doing Is is playing um, service swap Like right now I'm subscribing to High Dive And because I'm subscribing to High Dive I'm not subscribing to Crunchyroll Once I'm done watching what I want from High Dive For a while I'll unsubscribe I'll resubscribe to something else That has
1: things I want to watch Well educated consumers Are the biggest enemy of all this Yes
2: Unfortunately They're creating a competitive market And that creates educated consumers Yes Yes Anyway More to come Yes absolutely and now the briefs so this time we have fairly happy briefs no you know people getting fired stuff getting set on fire the usual nope 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 happy briefs (laughs) made fire has announced an a deal to carry what they're claiming is the quote-unquote entire dc digital library which i guess is everything that DC has gotten around to digitizing so far. Um, and given that Maidfire has really fallen behind in the last few years, and he's been sort of out-muscled by comiXology, this is a game-changer. Like, I, especially, especially if they decide to go even partially all-you-can-eat, because for a long time, Marvel has had its own digital and limited service. And I, as someone who loves DC's back catalog better has been like, uh, DC get one, get one, get one. And so if it has that someday, that'd be great. But even if it doesn't, the mere fact that they are carrying the deep back catalog and all of it in one place. Makes Made Fire suddenly more attractive to people like me, and I think to a lot of other DC fans who maybe up till now was like Made Fire, what's
1: that? Well, this is a yeah. very interesting. It's a move. big get
0: for, for It Made is. Fire. It's a
1: very interesting move because I'd kind of given up on Made Fire, you know.
0: Well, in some ways, this is a a pivot that they started uh, what a couple of years ago. But I mean, remember now they're not a subscription service. These are
2: yeah, you're, do, these you'll are you'll downloadable. Buy right now, you buy them, yeah. You download and buy yeah, them, but it's yeah. a bigger catalog. Of it's things. a way,
0: yes, or and it will be. I mean, they expect to have. I mean thousands of comics up by 2018, um, but uh, it's an interesting pivot. They started off obviously as really an, an you know limited anim- animation comics, motion comics really. Yes, they called them
1: motion books. Yeah,
0: motion books. Um, uh, you know that doesn't seem to have gone that far, uh, even though I think their technology was used by some people, including DC, about to do some things. So this has been an interesting pivot into the basically the retail business. Mm-hmm. And but, they, they they have a bunch of indies on and have had for a couple of years. But if, IDW for me, it's,
1: it's even more interesting that D.C. has decided we need another digital platform.
0: Well, well I mean, <laughs> my interpretation of that is what every publisher's relationship is with Amazon slash comiXology. Is that they're dubious of this Amazon mm-hmm. being their major sales portable right. which it yeah. is anyway
2: right. I, I think they want to make sure it's not a monopoly it's not so much exactly. that they don't want amazon or no. comiXology to be there they just want to be there to be competitors
0: exactly to, Yeah.
2: To exactly give them less of a hold over they're
0: them. very I mean, all publishers whether they're comics or otherwise are trembling at a future where amazon owns everything is the dominant retail platform, which, frankly, it is yeah, but already. I,
1: but
2: even more dominant than it already I, yeah.
1: is. You know, listen, if we were say, saying three years ago, talking about the giants, you know, we're talking about Amazon, Apple, Google, Facebook, uh, you, you know, maybe Microsoft, uh, throw hey, throw in their Netflix now. But, you know, these yeah. are, there's only a few companies, and they're gathering more and more and more. It's, you know, the income inequality of how yes, we get our yes, media. Yes,
0: Because these are massive you know, billion dollar industries and, and I mean, Apple, companies, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> and
1: Apple has been very friendly with madefar,
0: so uh, yeah, so you
1: know, they've consistently put it on one of their top mm-hmm. apps. I mean, uh, they definitely, uh, yeah. and I'm for sure, let's not be naive, for sure, they know that it's a competitor to Amazon and Comixology, yeah. Yeah. So
0: I mean, I reactivated. I had a Madefire account for, you know, when it started. Um, You know, I had some of the comics. You know, they were fine. I I mean, I'm not a fan of limited animation comics. Uh, I kind of hate them, actually, but Madefires, you know, they had some positive things about them. Uh, So I reactivated my account, you know, for this just to look at it. And it's very easy to use. And it's, you know, the comics are there. There's plenty to buy. The pricing is pretty good so it it looks to me like at least for dc they they're not they don't have um the graphic novel collections they have the single issues mm-hmm. i could be wrong about that they do have graphic novels for a lot of the indie publishers uh just from looking at the pricing is different so uh but still once again it's perfectly easy to use and if you're a consumer who like doesn't want all of their eggs in only in the amazon basket I guess they'll also be slicing prices at Whole Foods very very soon, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. So, <laughs>
2: Whole Foods could use it.
0: Well, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think anybody's crying about that, but still, uh, Amazon creeps into another area of this. So, but anyway,
1: yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. This turned yes. into a news item. Anyway, back yes, to the moving Yes, moving on. Sorry, a little <laughs> and, too
0: much attention and, to make fire um, there.
2: Well, one more brief. We've got the Hugo Awards for graphic novels. Now, the Hugo Awards, to go back to a topic we've reviewed, uh, talked on before... Is the big award for science fiction and fantasy that comes out at the World Science Fiction Convention, and um, they frequently have a graphic—they no- have a graphic novel section. And you know, now that Girl Genius has recused themselves, it goes to <laughs> yes. a different book every year. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty
2: funny. Yeah, so they have had a little problem in the past last couple years with slate voting and and. Um, very very whiny people who feel that their tastes are being uh, discriminated against most of whom were men and so this year the upset was that aside from the dramatic presentation every award has gone to a woman after they um they had put in new rules to eliminate slate voting yes and that had like made it harder to game the system and so now all <laughs> the winners are women <laughs> practically um including graphic novel best graphic novel went to marjorie lou for monstrous and um of their um, movies based on um science fiction their best dramatic presentation um a lot of these are comic book adjacent i mean you've got deadpool i mean I, I guess Ghostbusters isn't, even though it has a comic... But it feels more comic book-y. Mm-hmm. I guess it says something about comic tropes taking over the science fiction industry, as far as, you know, dramatic mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, so this was a very unusual year at the Hugos, and a very worthy book one. And the other nominees for Best Graphic Novel were The Vision, Volume 1, by Tom King, uh, Black Panther, Volume 1, by ta Coates Paper Girls Volume 1 by Brian K. Vaughn Saga Volume 6 by Brian K. Vaughn and Ms. Marvel Volume 5 by G. Willow Wilson So I can see why people didn't want to go for, like, Volume 6 or something that's been nominated (laughs) 10 other times. Right. But even so, it still had a stiff first-time competition with um, Paper Girls and Black Panther Mm -hmm. and The Vision. So congratulations
1: to Monstrous.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and Monstrous is is pretty enormously popular. Yeah, it's a wonderful book.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda. Yes,
0: yeah.
4: Incidentally,
2: we have an, an interview in our back catalog from New York Comic-Con last year with Marjorie Lou. Yes. So check That's it out. That's right, yeah.
0: And there's one more.
2: Oh, yes, Calvin. Yeah,
0: just very quickly. Uh, Humanoids, uh, legendary French comics publisher, now based in L.A. and Hollywood because they're really trying to move into the movie business. Uh, um, the publisher of Mobius and uh, Jodorowsky and Epic space opera graphic novels like Meta Barons and the Ink Hole and the like. Um, but uh they they in the last three or four years they really made a big push into the American market. This year, in acknowledgement of where the market seems to be going, they've they they plan to launch a um a Humanoids Kids, focusing on kids graphic novels and Slice of Life, which isn't an imprint but it's a line of books uh that's gonna look at um, um uh, stories for older readers um travel logs uh lgbtq material um other kinds of works but aimed at the older reader uh so they're going to be launching that and one of the kids books they're launching is a book called the magical twins and it's uh uh alejandro jodorowsky's first kids graphic novel so uh look for that at uh Bookstore and a comic shop near you.
1: Maybe Hulu will pack with humanoids.
0: You know, uh, you know. Maybe Hulu will pack
1: with Jodorowsky.
0: Well, it's interesting. (laughs) They've got a whole movie thing going on, you know, uh, in LA to hold, uh, with the, 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 leader, uh, Giger, Francois, uh, Francois Giger moved the company there from France several years ago. So yes.
1: The ultimate sacrifice. Yes. yes so there you uh, yes. Kate, okay, you were at FlameCon and yes. you got some interviews, didn't you? Yes. Yes. All Speaking
2: right. of, of interviews with, uh, creators snatched during a con, we've got a few coming up for you.
4: So I'm here at FlameCon 2017 with Amy Reader. Hi. Hello. How are you? Can you tell us a little bit about your well? It, it's kind of hard to say because uh, I've been doing Rocket Girl since uh, 2013, but I'm still working on it now. So I suppose that's probably the latest. It's your um, your ongoing. Yeah, and since then, during in the middle of all of that, I was working on Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur for Marvel. Um, so uh but yeah rocket girl is coming out now uh issue eight just came out issue nine and ten are coming up and so yeah that's kind of my baby I do all the art on it whereas the moon girl and devil dinosaur I created moon girl I drew the covers and I co-wrote it with Brandon Montclair. so can you tell us a little bit about rocket girl yeah, she is a teen cop from the future who goes back in time to the 80s in New York to fight crime and stuff. So how's your FlameCon going? Um, great. Yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. It was great to see everybody again. Um, I sold out a couple times, so that was pretty cool. Had to go back and get some stuff, but luckily I'm local, so yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I'm here at uh, FlameCon with Becca Farrow. Hi, I'm Becca Farrow. I did interiors for Lady Castle for issues two through four. Can you tell us a little bit about Lady Castle? Sure, so it follows the story of the three main protagonists uh, and they are ladies that have been left to take care of their kingdom and castle after all of the men went on a quest and then wound up dying on accident. And uh, the castle is cursed, and in each issue they have to fight off a different kind of mythical creature. But they do it in a really unusual and unconventional way. Uh, Yeah? Yeah. So how's your FlameCon going for you this year? It's been amazing. This is my first time tabling at FlameCon, and I've had the best time. I definitely want to come back from now on. Thank you. This is Kate Fitzsimmons from Publishers Weekly, Comic World, more to come, and I'm here with Tim Fish at FlameCon 2017.
3: Uh, hello.
4: Can you tell us a little bit about your comics?
3: Sure. I've, I've done many things over the years, but what I've got here mostly is uh, gay romance comics. Um, Cavalcade of Boys and his uh, spin-off graphic novels.
4: So what's your most recent spin-off graphic novel?
3: Ooh, that would be Trust Truth, which is more of a romantic comedy, and they are a, a, a standalone graphic novel using the characters from the very original series Cavalcade of Boys.
4: Um, and what is your pitch line for Cavalcade of Boys and its spin-offs? If someone wants to read it, why would they want to read it?
3: It's, uh, it's very true to real life. It's about real people. Uh, there'll be situations, for better or worse, that you'll recognize from your own life.
4: Okay, great. And how's your FlameCon going this year?
3: Oh, this is fantastic. This is the first time I've been to FlameCon, and it's been a really uh, fun show. It's a great energy to the crowd, and it's just very refreshing to to be really immersed in some gay culture. Thank you so much. Thank you.
4: Hi, so I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm at FlameCon 2017 with June Kim. Hi, can you tell us a little bit about some of your comics? Um, I'm recently doing a food comics, a nonfiction uh, about eggs and some restaurant in New York, uh, interviewing chefs. And recently, my comics has focused on eggs, mainly. So what brings you to FlameCon in particular? Um, I just checked out from the first year just because I was curious, I'm not a really big con, uh, uh, frequent. But it was so chill, and everybody was so nice, and uh, just doing them being themselves. So I started becoming one of the vendors. So, how was your fun pan this year? Oh, it's just the same, just as nice. Everybody was having fun time. And very polite in clean, so that's (laughs) what I like about this place. Thank you so much.
1: And we're back. All right. Great job, Kate. So um, sounds like you had a good time.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, uh, that's it, guys. I guess there'll be more to come.